Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Glad to be back with you again, teaching on the Blood Covenant. And we're going to continue um, with the subject of, uh, um, you know, attribute of um, God, uh, which he revealed through his covenant name, Yahweh, uh, Yahweh Rapha. I'm the Lord that healeth thee. Now, but before I go into that, I would like to ask you this. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, uh, please feel um, free to make a comment uh, on, the, on, on, the, on the Facebook page. Uh, just write to me, write me a message and I will respond to you. And um, uh, or you can go to the YouTube channel and write a message there. So please feel free to do so. It would be good to get some feedback because uh, I, need to, I need to hear from you, uh, you know, in what ways God is touching you. And because after I finish this subject, I'm going to go to something, uh, something different. And so I want to be, you know, have a clearer, of, clearer understanding of what I should be teaching next after this. So we will continue with this. And it's just been great because I've done more than 120 uh, teachings so far. And that translates to about four months. And four months, can you believe it? <laughs> I've, I've done this without a break every single day, seven days a week, but it has been a delight to be able to share the Word of God with you. And I, I, I love to teach and preach the Word of God. And what I love the most is to see uh, people's lives being affected by this. So uh, please, it, it's always good to get some feedback from you. Um, okay, so the Lord bless you, but let's, uh, let's uh, read this. So what happened is that, uh, and I'm going to start with the scripture I shared yesterday. Uh, Numbers 21 verses 4 to 8. It says, When they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of the Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loads this worthless bread. So what happened is that you know, people came to the land of Edom, and the land of Edom is actually Jordan. Jordan um, is the land of Eden, and that, you know, and uh, that's where my forefathers came from, from that region. But anyway, they came to the land of Edom, and there they began to complain. They were in the wilderness, and they began to complain against God. They began to complain against Moses, and they began to complain about the food that they were receiving to eat. And... Uh, and so, I mean, instead of being thankful that the Lord had brought them out of Egypt, in fact, they were saying that, why did you bring us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? As if Egypt was a good place for them. Egypt, they were slaves. They were in terrible, they were in a terrible place in Egypt. And God brought them out of Egypt. And now they're longing back to Egypt. So why have you brought us here? We don't like the food here. What are we doing here? Why did you bring us out of Egypt here? And so the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And the serpents began to bite the people and many of the people of Israel died. So this was actually a place called Mount Nebo, which is in Jordan. And so they were in Mount Nebo out in the wilderness. And, and suddenly because of their sin, their complaining, their griping and their ungratefulness, all these thousands of ser serpents, snakes came into the camp and began to bite the people. And so everywhere you looked, you could see people writhing in agony. People were dying all over the place. And you can, and you know, listen, snake bite is a very slow and painful way to die. So you had all these Israelites 
on the ground, dying, screaming. Some were dead. Others were screaming in agony and pain. Then the people realized why this had happened. They realized that they had sinned against God. So the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned for we have spoken against God and against you. Please pray to the Lord that he would take the serpents away from us. So Moses prayed for the, for the people. So Moses interceded with the Lord for the people. And this is what the Lord said to Moses. Make a fiery serpent. Make a serpent and, and nail that serpent to a pole. And it shall be that everybody who is bitten by a snake, when he turns and looks at the pole, he shall not die, he shall live. So Moses, he quickly made a serpent. Actually, the word bronze here means copper. And he made a copper serpent and put it on a pole. And so, and he ran with the pole to the middle of the camp and told the people, look at this snake, this copper serpent, this is your deliverance. And whoever looked at that copper serpent, a miracle happened. Firstly, their sins were forgiven. Secondly, the curse was broken. Thirdly, they were healed. Fourthly, they did not die and they lived. And this is what happened. So that fiery serpent became a symbol for God's healing covenant with the people of Israel because through just by looking at that one copper serpent, Tens of thousands, countless Israelites were healed that day by looking at the copper serpent. Now, if you go to John chapter 3, Jesus lived 2,000 years after Moses. Okay? Jesus, when speaking to Nicodemus, he brought, up, he brought this up with Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, just like Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness, you'll read about it in... Uh, in John 3, 14 and 15 and 16, he says, uh, no, not 16, John, John 3, 14 and 15. So he said, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man shall be lifted up so that whosoever believeth him, in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then verse 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then verse 17, for God did not send his son to the world to condemn the, the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So Jesus was referring to that same copper serpent. He says, Nicodemus, just like Moses lifted up that copper serpent in the wilderness, so wilderness, so I shall be lifted up. So that copper serpent was actually a type of Christ. And so, um, anyway, so what happened was that uh, um, what Jesus was saying that like Moses lifted up the copper serpent in the wilderness in the same way I shall be lifted up upon a cross. So that whoever looks at, at me upon that cross, the same thing shall happen to him as happened to those who looked at the copper serpent in the wilderness. Whoever puts his faith in me, number one, the curses upon his life shall be broken. Number two, his sin shall be forgiven. Number three, he shall be healed from every disease in his body. Number four, he shall not die, but he shall live. So that copper serpent was a type of Christ. Now, interesting, that copper serpent, you know, at that time, Israel didn't have a national flag. So they carried that copper serpent on that pole 
everywhere they went. And but the interesting thing is that here's the thing: the significant difference, three significant differences between that copper serpent and between Jesus. The first thing was that that copper serpent was only for the people of Israel, Israelite, only for Israelites. It was given for the people of Israel. It was for the Israelites. But Jesus, who was crucified, is not just for the Israelites. He's for the Israelites, but he's for all mankind. Whosoever looks at him shall not die, but shall live and curses shall be broken. He shall be healed. So the copper serpent was only for the people of Israel. Jesus is for all mankind. That's the first significant, the significance. The second significant difference is that that copper serpent was a one hit wonder. Why? By that I mean that that copper serpent, through that copper serpent, is the Israelites were healed that one day upon Mount Nebo when the serpents came from the, de from the desert and bit them and thousands of them died. Do you know that never happened again? They carried that copper serpent around and nobody was ever healed at any other time after that. By looking at that copper serpent, people were healed and delivered only that one day in Mount Nabal when Moses lifted up that copper serpent. But Jesus, on the other hand, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He heals, he saves, he changes people's lives, he breaks their chains, he delivers people every single day. He has been doing this for the past 2,000 years and he shall be doing it until the last day. He shall, he is a perpetual, he's an everlasting savior. He's an everlasting healer. That's the second significant difference between that copper serpent and Jesus. Now the third difference between the copper serpent and Moses, uh, I'm sorry, and Jesus is the history. And what is that? The question is, what is the history of the copper serpent? What happened to it? Well, this, this is, I'm going to tell you what happened to it. The people of Israel carried around that copper serpent for 1,200 years. 1,200 years they carried around that copper serpent. During those 1,200 years that the people of Israel, Israel carried it around, nobody was ever healed. That copper serpent never did anything. I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe they were thinking that it had some magical powers and someday something might just happen. But for 1,200 years, they carried it around. How do I know that? Because the next time we hear about the copper serpent is when it talks about King Hezekiah in the Bible. And Hezekiah was 1,200 years after Moses. The copper serpent was carried around by the Israelites for 1,200 years until the day of King Hezekiah. And what they did was that they finally built an altar and they mounted the copper serpent on it and they begin to worship that copper serpent and they begin to pray. They made it an idol and began to worship it. King Hezekiah was a godly man. He got so furious when he saw this that he ordered that copper serpent to be destroyed. So I don't know what they did. All of them, maybe they ground it to powder and spread it out away, but they, the copper serpent was destroyed. So where's the copper serpent? Nobody knows. I mean, it was all we know is that the that King Hezekiah ordered it destroyed, and that was the end of the copper serpent. 
So that's the history of the copper serpent. It was destroyed by King Hezekiah uh, 1200 years after Moses, which means uh, 2800 years from 800 years before us. It was destroyed 800 years before Christ. But that's the, that's the history of the copper serpent. But the history of Jesus, where is Jesus? Let me tell you where he is. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still saving sinners. He's still healing the sick. He's still setting people free. He's still breaking curses. Hallelujah. So anyway, so much for the copper serpent. But God provided that copper serpent to the people of Israel for their healing. And now, another thing I must have about the copper uh, must add about the copper serpent. The interesting thing is that wherever in the world you go, it doesn't matter. You can go to Russia, you can go to South America, go to United States, Great Britain, Europe, anywhere in the world, in Africa. If you go to a hospital or a pharmacy, if you look carefully, you will see a symbol of a pole with a serpent on it. And that is uh, the world's most recognized symbol of healing, of medicine, of the medical sciences. And that is taken from the Bible. That copper serpent became a symbol of God's healing covenant with mankind. So much so that even in atheistic countries like the People's Republic of China, even they use that symbol of that copper serpent in their hospitals. Hallelujah. It has endured. It shows us every time I see that symbol anywhere, I say, hallelujah, our God is still a healer. Praise the Lord. Anyway, number 16, verses 46 to 48. So Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar and put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them for wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. Anyway, the people of Israel had done something and God was angry. And a plague came over the place plague of the people. And Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly. And already the plague had begun among the people. This terrible disease was spreading among the people. People were dying. So what, what Aaron did, he put in the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the living and the dead so that the plague was stopped. The disease was stopped as soon as he made an atonement. 2 Kings 20 verses 1 to 6. This is a good story. The story of King Hezekiah. How he got healed. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus said the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. So Hezekiah was sick and to death. And Isaiah the prophet went to Hezekiah and said, The Lord is saying, Get ready, set your house in order, because you shall die and shall not live. Look at what Hezekiah does. Then he turned his face towards the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. So Hezekiah turned to the Lord and he reminded the Lord how he had walked with God in truth and with a loyal heart. And he wept. Look at what happened. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, before Isaiah had gone, that the word of the Lord came to him saying, 
Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. And I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and the city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend the city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Wow. God kept his healing covenant at the tears, at the cry, at the prayer of a righteous man who walked with him. God remembered his covenant and he healed Isaiah. He reversed his decision. And in Psalm 107 verses 20 to 21, it says, He sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Hallelujah. He sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. God sent his word. God sent his word. You know, we read that in the ministry of Jesus, how many people came to hear and to be healed. And because people understood that healing, his healing power was connected to his word. So they came to hear him and to be healed. So God sent his word and he healed them. And he's talking to the people of Israel. God sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. <coughs> oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Psalm 105, 37. He also brought them out with silver and gold and there was none feeble among his tribes. Now this is astounding. This talks about when God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt and he says he brought them out with silver and gold. That means that they were slaves and poverty. But when they came out, they came with silver and gold. And then he says, and there was none feeble among his tribes. That means there was not one who was weak or who was sick among the tribes of Israel. I believe what happened was that when they ate over, well, sorry, when they ate that Passover meal before they left Egypt that night, when they ate that Passover meal, they were healed in their bodies because it says there was not one single person feeble. The word feeble here means weak or sick. There was not one single person who was physically weak in all the tribes of Israel. 12 tribes came out of there. I don't know how many hundreds of thousands, maybe a couple of million people were there. They came out and not one was sick among them because God kept his healing covenant he had made with Abraham and he blessed them. He was Yahweh Rapha. So when they had that Passover, lamb and, and they ate the flesh of the lamb and they ate that bread at that Passover meal. God healed their bodies and they came out of Egypt healthy and well. Hallelujah. Isaiah 57, 18 and 19. It says, I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will also lead him and restore comforts to him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips, peace, peace to him who is afar off and to him who is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. God's healing covenant. I am Yahweh Rapha, 
I am the Lord that heals you. Jeremiah 17 verse 14. It says, heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved for you are my praise. Then it says here, Hosea 11 verses 3 to 4. Now, I like this. This, this brings out another side of it. It says, I taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I drew them with gentle cords with bands of love, and I was to them as those who take the yoke from their neck. I stooped and fed them. He says, I brought them out. I made Ephraim to walk. I took them by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. Beloved, let me just say this to you. You know what this means? That means that many, many times God has done miracles in your life when you don't even realize it. There are times that God has, God has prevented terrible catastrophes from, from touching us. So don't ever say, oh, this happened because I was careful. Because the invisible hand of God has always been over you and Oh, because the invisible hand of God is over those who love him, those who walk with him. And he protects from diseases, from diseases. He protects us from sick. He protects us from sicknesses. He protects us from calamities, from bad things befalling us. God protects us and we don't even realize, we don't even know when his protective hand is over us. You know, years ago, years ago, I was doing a crusade and I, have a, I had a friend in England, he's of Indian background, but he grew up in Malawi. So I was doing a crusade in Malawi and he told me about his brother and his in-laws. He says, well, brother Christopher, could you meet them? So I met his relatives and they were all Hindus, you know. So anyway, this one couple, his brother-in-law and his wife, and um, they came to uh, my crusade. And um, they had never been to a Christian meeting before. So I asked them to sit. You know, they sat with the pastors on the side. And I preached and people were saved. People are healed. Now, after the service, they said, Pastor, would you come to our house, have a meal with us? I said, sure. So I went to the home to eat with this Hindu couple. And while we were eating, the lady said to me, she says, Pastor, can you explain to me one thing? She, I said, what? She said, when you were preaching, suddenly there appeared this big guy dressed in white. He was all dressed in white and was shining bright and and, uh, and he came and put his hand on your shoulder and as you walked and preached, he walked right with you. His hand was on your shoulder all the time and only at the end of the meeting did he disappear. Who was he? And I got goosebumps. I said, sister, that was Jesus. And she said, that was Jesus. I said, yeah, that was Jesus. And then I realized many times, many times, the presence of God is with us with manifested power and we don't even know it. We don't even see it, but other people see it. That's what he's saying. He says, I taught Ephraim to walk. I took them by their arms, but they did not even know that I healed them. Thank God for his unseen work, his unseen hands working in us, working in his people, healing them even when they don't know it. Now, verse 41, verses 1 to chapter, Psalm 41 Verses um, 1 to 3. Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord would deli will deliver him in the time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive and he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. You will sustain him in his sick bed. So God has, here's this wonderful promise God has. 
to those who take care of the poor. He says, the Lord will deliver you. If you have a heart to help the poor, help the needy, help the widows and the orphans, he says, the Lord will preserve you and keep you alive and you'll be blessed on the earth. And the Lord will strengthen you in times of sickness and God will sustain you in your in your sick bed and God will raise you up. He will deliver you. Psalm 91 verses 1 to 10 and verse 16. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You will not be afraid of the terror by night, nor by the arrow, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Hallelujah. So you see, God's promises of health, healing, and long life were part of his covenant with Abraham and with the people of Israel. God hated sin then and disease then, and he still hates sin and disease today. And I've written this down. The world changes. Religious people alter their beliefs and their theologies depending upon the whole of intellectualism upon their minds. The truth, however, remains that God is always faithful to his word and his covenant through the blood of Jesus and that healing for the mind and body are part of God's covenant. Hallelujah. Numbers 23 verses 19 and 20. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a commandment to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. God is unchanging. His word is unchanging. Jesus Christ is still the same today. And this was the old covenant. Wait until we come to the blessings of the new covenant. Anyway, tomorrow we are going to talk about Yahweh Shalom. But let me go to this verse again. Numbers 23 verses 19 and 20. God is not a man that he should lie. Nor a son of man that should, he should repent. Has he said something and not do it? Has he spoken and will not make it good? Behold, I have received a commandment to bless. He is blessed and I cannot reverse it. Listen, I'm saying this because there's a belief going out there today. That yes, we know what the word of God says. But God is sovereign. And because he's sovereign, he can do anything he wants and we do not understand. And I, I understand where the thought comes from. God is sovereign. He is God. He does anything that suits his purposes and whatever. Because he's God. I'm not God. He is God. And he, but, but the sovereignty of God does not extend to God breaching his own word. Because if God does something that goes against his own word, that does not make him sovereign, but that makes him a liar. That's why it says that God is not a man that he should lie, 
God is not a man because man says something and does the opposite. God is not man. God will not say something and then not do it because that makes him a liar. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Repent means change his mind. God is not a man that he should change his mind, that he says to you, I want to heal you. Then tomorrow he says, no, I don't want to heal you because I've got other things going. He does, that's not the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God means that God is so good that even when you and I don't meet his conditions, he still loves us. He still blesses us. The sovereignty of God is like what happened to Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was not seeking to be saved. He was not seeking God. He was out busy persecuting and killing Christians. But God in his mercy reached out to him to fulfill his destiny in his life. And although he was against Jesus, God touched him. That is the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty, sovereignty of God, it does not mean that God will not do what he has promised. But God will do beyond what he has promised. God is so good that he touches us even when we are unworthy, when we don't meet his conditions. That is the sovereignty of God. And that is why we see many people healed who don't have faith. Many people healed who are actually against Jesus. And God heals them. Like we saw in India, these people came to persecute us, came to my crusade. They were Hindu extremists. They came to make trouble. And the power of God touched one of them who was deaf in one year and healed him. And he began to shout, I've been healed, I've been healed. And the crowds grew after that. That is the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God isn't that God says, I will heal you, but he refuses to heal you because he's sovereign. That makes God a liar. So God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will not make it good? Behold, I have received a commandment to bless. He is blessed and I cannot receive it. I cannot reverse it. I'm sorry. Tomorrow we're going to talk about Yahweh Shalom and the Lord your peace. But let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Pray for my brothers and sisters. Touch them. Touch their families. Bless them. Meet every need they have. Lord, you are our healer. You are our deliverer. I ask you for a healing touch upon every person who is hearing me, who is sick. Just put your hand on your body. In the name of Jesus, I curse and rebuke every sickness, every disease, and every infirmity. And I speak life and health and healing to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. And remember, write to me. If you have anything in your heart and we will, I will, you know, we will communicate that way. But I'll be seeing you again tomorrow and we'll talk about Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is our peace. God bless you.